0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming to this seminar. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. You might not enjoy it, actually, (laughs) because it might just get intense. Is it okay if we pray? Do you mind standing? Thank you. Um, Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you that you're here. Lord, I would just thank you for the spirit of revelation. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom, Father. Right now, even as we talk about your word and principles from your word that relates to the nation, our communities, and our lives, Father, I ask that you just begin to release such fire into every heart in this place, God. I pray for an awakening. I pray that barriers and hindrances to what you want to do in our lives will be broken that limitations be broken off of us today. We pray for just a release of a spirit of fire over every single one of us that as we live this place, there will be a fresh passion for you, passion for your word, passion for the gospel, a passion to seek your heart, Father, I ask that there'll be a stirring in every heart in this place. Father, right now, we just take charge even of this space, this atmosphere, and we just declare that, Lord, where your spirit is, there is freedom. So let freedom reign in every mind, in every Heart, so we take every thought captive. We declare that our minds will not be distracted, but we'll be able to receive clearly what you want to speak to us today, Father. I thank you that Lord, our hearts are our hearts that are prepared to receive your word. And as your word comes forth, Father, the seed of your of your word in our hearts will bear fruits in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone said amen. amen. Thank you very much. You can have your seats. Um, So my name is James Zaladirun, and um, (laughs) excuse me, some faces I recognize here. (laughs) Yeah, uh, my name is James Zaladirun, and I have uh, been involved in the prayer ministry uh, probably since 2007. How I got involved in this is actually amazing to me, because I never really enjoyed praying, um, like some of you here probably, (laughs) and I never really saw the point of prayer. So... The fact that I'm leading a prayer ministry from that kind of a background is a testament to the fact that if God can change me, God can change you too. So right now, I do find prayer as the most amazing thing, actually, that I could give myself to. And um, I found it interesting growing up in a family where we had to pray. My parents are missionaries. I was brought up in the church. So there are many times we had family prayer times. And my mom would kind of get us all to pray and uh, I really never really understood the point of those times. Uh, but as I started to grow in my uh, 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 desire for God, I'll tell you one thing I did notice, though. Many times at home, I will uh, go into my mom's room, and I'll find her on her knees praying. And even though she wasn't asking me to pray, I just felt convicted by the fact that I saw my mom praying. And uh, I always love to say this. There's something about seeing someone do something you know you're supposed to do that you're not doing that convicts you about doing it, if that makes any sense. (laughs) So seeing my mom pray, even though I don't get prayer, something stirred in me. And for many Christians, when you hear about prayer, you either feel guilty or you feel like you're rubbish at it or you feel like, oh, whatever, you know. So um, I hope my journey would encourage you because I never really thought I'd be leading a ministry uh, even I I had no plan to be in ministry like I am right now, even uh, in addition to that, not just ministry, but prayer ministry. So the fact that this happened is just incredible to me. Now, something that that really shifted my perspective of prayer, I'm not going to focus on that so much in this session. I just want to give you a background to my journey, really. Something that really shifted my perspective on prayer is when I was growing up as a teenager, I started to just come across a lot of... uh, Things about revivals and moves of God. And some of you will be familiar with some of these moves of God. You know, the first uh, Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, George Whitfield, I don't even heard of David Brainerd, Evan Roberts. You know, all these people who were used by God in years past, Duncan Campbell, Hebrides Revival. I started coming across some of these moves of God. And as I read about them, one of my favorite ones was uh, uh, Charles Finney uh, with the Second Great Awakening. As I read about some of these revivals, I was just struck by the fact that it seemed to me that the Christianity I had signed up to was very different to the Christianity I was reading about. So I, I became very dissatisfied. And one of the things that really struck me was how much of depth... The people involved in these revivals had in their relationship with God. So my journey started with this in this place of Lord. I'm a Christian, I know I'm saved, I know I'm going to heaven, but I don't feel like I know you. I, I feel like we're strangers. In fact, have you noticed? See, it said that a true test of how comfortable you are with someone is how you maintain silence. If if I if we've not spent a lot of time together, and I don't know you, when we meet, there's always the pressure to make conversation, and there's always an awkwardness in it. But the deeper we get with God, the more comfortable we are with His presence, the more we step out of the place of performance, and we step into the place of being with God. So I started on this journey of just wanting to go deeper in God. So I actually discovered prayer by discovering God. What I mean by that is I discovered prayer as a passion for me because I got dissatisfied with my relationship with God. So I always want to make this point because this has to be understood clearly. It's impossible to tell me you are hungry for God and have an existent prayer life. Impossible. Now, don't get me wrong. You can be in ministry. You can be an evangelist. You can be a pastor and be passionate about praying for your ministry. That's not what I'm talking about. Because there's a difference between being passionate about God's work and being passionate about God himself. You can be passionate about working for God, evangelism, uh, uh, your role as a pastor, as a leader, growing your ministry. And in fact, your ministry can be growing and impacting the masses, but your heart is dead towards God. So I want you to understand that when I talk about prayer, I'm not talking about just coming to pray and saying, God, I want you to do A, B, C, D. I'm talking about your relationship with God. Okay, that reality became something that I started to go deeper into. And I started to realize God is not a vending machine. God is not just wanting us to come to him and say, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And then thank you, God, bye. God God is after relationship. And if it's relationship, it's two-sided. He has invested all he has into the relationship. So he's actually looking for us to invest everything. That's why he said, love the Lord your God. Of all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And by the way, it's not the greatest suggestion. It's the greatest commandment. So he's asking us to do that because he has done that himself. Are you with me? So relationship is the starting point of prayer. It's not about trying to just cry out to God for the nations and cry out to God for move of his spirit in Manchester and Liverpool, wherever you're from. Now that is important. But many times people start out with... they feel the pressure to step into this place of intense intercession and crying out to God for the nation. But in reality, there is no depth in here in their relationship with God. Effective intercession and crying out to God is based on deep intimacy with God. Is anyone alive in this room today? Am I talking to myself? Am I talking to anyone? Okay, I I, I need some feedback. (laughs) Are you hearing me today? Effective intercession for the lost and for our nation and for our community is based on depth of intimacy with God. They cannot be disconnected. Because oftentimes in ministry, we want to cry out to God for the nation, but there is no depth in here. The reason why Abraham was able to intercede the way he did effectively with God was because he had a deep walk with God. So that was why his words carried weight in the heavens. There's a lot of noise going on right now, but it's not carrying a lot of weight. When we talk about revival, you see, we have to, the word revival can be overused. I don't always use the words revival many times. These days I tend to talk about a great awakening. Because people think having a nice church meeting is revival. Having people come into your church and church is packed out is revival. Let me say this bold and clear. It's not revival if the fabric, the moral fabric of society is not transformed. So I'm not talking about a church meeting where we all feel good and have goosebumps and raise our hands and dance around and praise God. Now, that's awesome. I'm talking about the fabric of society where the people on the streets, in the football games, the people in the pubs, the people in the clubs, the people out there are encountering God. And it's not based on my communication gift now. Now, don't get me wrong. The proclamation of the gospel is important in the process of revival. But it's no longer how well I can communicate. It's God is breaking out. So when I say revival, I'm talking about the nation being changed. You know, Great Britain is moving in a direction right now, and it's been moving in this direction for many years. The only thing that's going to change this nation is not a great politician. It's not a great church event. It's a move of God that will shift and change this nation. Are you hearing me? Because we are going so far back away, turning from God in our darkness, the only thing that would cause a shift and masses coming to the kingdom is not a great gifted speaker. It's a move of God. And we have to understand, unless God breaks in, we have no hope. I think it was Leonard Ravenhill that says, uh, prayer de- uh, revival delays because prayer decays. And someone else said, if you go to church on a Sunday morning, you find how popular the church is. Sunday evening, how popular the pastor is. Prayer meeting day, how popular God is. In the West, the prayer meetings are not responded to that much. I was in Lebanon last year, okay, and the pastors they were saying to us, the prayer meetings were even more important than the church services. Why? Because there's the, there's the Syrian crisis going on. So, the church is trying to handle the humanitarian crisis, and people come into Lebanon, most of them Syrians, are in a lot of just horrible situations. And the church has opened their doors, so you know where they go, they go to the church. And some, I don't know what it is about the human psyche and the way we work. It seems like it's only when we're in crisis that we pray intensely. God forbid if there was a terror attack again in the UK. I guarantee you, you'll be seeing Facebook posts and Twitter posts and news articles, pray for Manchester, pray for the UK, pray for London. Why do we need to wait for a terror attack before we realize we have a responsibility? So we're often responding to crises as opposed to being the people who are reacting, well, Yeah, we're reacting to crisis as opposed to being the people who are responding to heaven's demands on us, the people of God. I'm telling you, there is a huge responsibility on us as the people of God. When God looks at this nation, he's not first looking at the politicians. He's first looking at his people. We're the first point of call. So God has called us to be a people that contend for a move of his spirit in our nation. Some revivals I do love. Uh, to talk about like the Welsh revival, his famous move of God, you know, when God moved in the nation of Wales, it wasn't just some guys having a church service. Even though that did happen, the the nation was transformed. The crime was like almost zero. The police guys, the policemen didn't know what to do. They didn't have work to do. People didn't show up to football games because they were in the church repenting. When's the last time you know as football star didn't show up to the football game that he's meant to be paid to play at because of the church repenting and turning away from sin people come into wells and the burden of the presence of god comes on them they feel the burden of their sins and they turn to god in the masses there's some of these traits i see in moves of god and honest honestly with you today i'm thinking to myself lord i don't see these traits in our churches today I don't see these traits much in my life. I've seen glimpses of it in my life, but I don't really see these traits at all. And I, am, I know you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and what you did back then is great, but I know what you're going to do is even greater than that. So if you did that back then, what on earth are you going to do in the years ahead? And how do I need to get ready for that? Because I'm yet to see the move of God like I've read about. And God said he wants to do greater? Now, how many of you know John Wesley? Great. John Wesley led a move of God in the UK, okay? He he impacted other nations too. But his lifestyle, see, 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 see. We like to talk about the impact John Wesley had, okay? And how, you know, he preached the gospel and people coming on the power of God and repentance and regions and how he ride his horse for so many miles and and preach the gospel and preach and preach. And we admire the fruits of his life. And I admire the fruits of his life and the impact he had. But we don't tend to emulate the lifestyle that led to that fruit. John Wesley fasted twice a week. He's got his ministers to fast twice a week. From what I understand, he probably prayed 4 a.m. in the morning. Western church, 21st century church, do we do that much today? Yeah, we, we want the results that he had. But somehow we don't emulate the lifestyle that led to those real, and we want to see more than they saw. I don't think that's going to happen, people. <laughs> there is a demand heaven is going to place on us in the days we live in. That I'm telling you, it's so crucial. If we, it's so crucial that we respond to the demands of heaven, if we want to see the release of the breakthrough of God in our society like never before. When I saw the, the title of this seminar, "Key uh, Key to Revival Prayer," I, I wanted to. And I'm going to retitle it, Keys. Because I'm going to talk to you about maybe two or three things that are very essential for what God wants to do in the nation. And uh, like I made reference to this concept earlier on about Abraham, how Abraham was an intercessor, who God was able to come to and talk about the state of the nation. And he was able to talk with God and his words carried weight with God in a way that it could have shifted the destiny of nations. Those are the kind of people God is calling us to be. Okay, now, it's not just about prayer, it's about the life that gives birth to the prayer. Are you hearing me? One of the things I've seen as absolute priority and necessity, if we want to see a move of God in our society, you know, let's just put a pause on society right now. Let's talk about us. <laughs> if we want to see a move of God right here in here, because listen, there's no point in me saying, Lord, let your kingdom come out there and let your will be done out there if his kingdom is not coming in here and his will is not being done in here. You don't have the authority to release it out there if it's not being done in here. Is anyone alive here today? <laughs> so what I'm saying to you is, let's put a pause on revival out there. Let's talk about revival in here first. Okay? So, Abraham's words were able to carry weight because of his level of set-apartness to God. As I look through revival history and moves of God, I find that God tends to move when he finds a person or people that he can entrust the weight of his glory to. And those people, listen to this word, are always consecrated vessels. Everyone say consecrated vessels. Now, for some people, that might be like, yeah, I hear that word. I don't know what consecration means. Well, by the end of this seminar, you are going to know what consecration means. (laughs) See, you cannot ask God to come and use you. You cannot ask God to do all these amazing things in your life if you are not set apart to him. When God has a special mission, he puts a demand on a life for a special lifestyle. You cannot be in the RAF if you don't live a certain way. If you want to be God's revival too in your community, there is a lifestyle requirement of that. You can't just doing you can't just be doing the bare minimum in terms of your spiritual development. It's kind of like you want to be a mofara, but you're not even exercising much. You just the bare minimum in the gym, and you expect to be able to have that kind of stamina. It doesn't just come on you. You don't get muscles by going to the gym and looking at the weights. You have to do some exercising. In the West, we have subscribed to a comfortable Christianity. We have surprised to, we've subscribed to a fix me quickly Christianity. We've not subscribed to a process of God doing a deep work in us. And I'm telling you, we have great ministries, and I'm talking about myself included. We have a lot of activity we're doing. But consider the early church, please. The early church did not have PA systems. They had no amazing acrobatic dancers and bands. They, had no, they didn't have that many gifted communicators like we have today. I mean, we've got more pastors than the world has ever had now in the world. Okay? They didn't have as much as we had. They had less, and they did more. We have more and we're having less impact. Something is wrong somewhere. The consecration is not where it needs to be. Because the consecration is not where it needs to be, the impact of the prayer is not, having, the prayer is not causing the impact it's meant to have. The prayers are not, called, are not carrying weight in the spirit. Because the people releasing the prayers are not consecrated people. Now what does it mean to be consecrated? To be consecrated, you have to be separated. To consecrate, you have to separate. You separate from and you separate to. You disconnect from and you connect to. It's not about what you're disconnecting from as it is what you're connected to. However, you can be connected to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and not be disconnected from certain things. And sometimes things that are not even looking like sin... Remember what I said? A special mission demands a special lifestyle. And God is calling us to be a people that learn how to consecrate ourselves to him. You know, the best picture I have found to explain consecration is the Olympic athlete. You don't get ready for the Olympics the day before the Olympics. You don't get ready for the Olympics a month before the Olympics. Unless you're crazy. I mean, even if you're crazy, you won't do that. If you want to win a gold medal... You get ready, how many times? Years in advance before the day of the competition. So, years in advance, you're waking up at 5, 6 a.m., going to the gym, eating a certain diet, weighing yourself, checking your weight. There's such an intense routine to your lifestyle, and because of your choice to want to win the gold medal, by default, you disconnect from all kinds of distractions. Your friends may want to do A, B, C, D, and there may be nothing wrong with that. However, there's a lot of compromise in the church, but let's not even go there right now. Your friends may want to do things that are seemingly okay, and you can easily do that. But you know, because you want to win the gold medal, you can't do what everyone else is doing. Everyone else may, but I may not, because I have a higher vision, a higher calling I'm giving myself to. If I want my prayers and my lifestyle to release revival, I have to be set apart from distractions and set apart to God. The Olympic athlete is consecrated to his sport. He's focused on winning that gold medal. And if you were to go out and eat with him and he's eating junk food, sorry, and you're eating junk food and he's eating healthy, you're not going to look at him and tell him he's being legalistic. Right? Have you ever heard the word legalistic? We use that word quite a lot in the church when it comes to disconnecting from certain things. Now, I'm not talking about rules and regulations. He's choosing a lifestyle of a narrow focus and strictness because he has a vision of what's ahead of him. The vision of revival ahead of the athlete places a demand on the lifestyle of the athlete now. Not the month before the revival. Not two weeks before the revival. Years in advance. My question to you is, right now, is your lifestyle showing that you are actually preparing for revival? If the whole world were to live like you, would that be a revival? <laughs> the way you watch certain things, the way you say certain things, the way you live. See, there's no point. It's easy for us to say, oh God, move out there, God, move out there. But in my journey with God... Every time I'm praying for revival, not every time, many times I'm praying for revival, God is dealing with things in here. Your ego. You think your ministry is about you? Okay, if God were to say your ministry is not gonna look big in the eyes of man, but be successful in the eyes of heaven, are you okay with that? Or are you after your name being known or God's name being glorified? Who is this about? Your gifting, your anointing. Oh, by the way. The anointing of God on your life is no sign of his approval of your behavior. So you can be anointed of God as an evangelist while you're living in sin and compromise and you stand before the masses and people get saved. That does not mean you're walking with God. Because the giftings and the callings of God are without repentance. So you can function in a gifting and look good. And this is the problem we tend to have many times in the church. We think because we're having great meetings, that means God is moving and revival is breaking out. Without realizing many times, we're just riding on the wave of people's giftings. We're riding on the waves of the things God has blessed people with. But we're not really pressing into God. Because when we are really pressing into God, there's one thing I know is going to be evident. Holiness. The message of holiness may not draw a crowd, but that's the message that will build the end-time army. You want revival? 101 revival is holiness. Holiness is the same thing as consecration. See, we think of consecration as negative. Oh, I can't do this, I can't do it. But for the athlete who's thinking about the gold medal, it's not negative that he's not eating junk food. He, 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 he's excited about the possibility of winning that gold medal to the point that his disconnection from junk food is not a big deal. So consecration is positive if you have the right vision. But if you're just listening to, listen to rules and regulations, the pastor said, I can't do this, I can't do it, and, you're, and all you're thinking about is that, then you don't really understand what consecration is. Another point you need to understand is this. There's a difference between... Holiness and morality. There are many moral people out there that are not Christians. And the moral life is based on your disconnection from things and what you're not doing. Holiness is not about what you're not doing as it is who you're connected to. You 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 can't be moral and be holy unless you're connected to God, Holy Spirit himself. Am I making any sense here? You can be moral and not be holy, but you cannot be holy and not be moral. Because morality is based on, I'm not doing all these things. So many people come into the church, even as Christians, and think, well, it's all about all these rules and regulations. I'm not doing all these things. But you're disconnecting, but you're not connecting. You're disconnected from all this stuff, over here, but you're not connecting to God because he is the reason for the disconnection. So if you just disconnect and you don't connect to God, you end up in a place of legalistic lifestyle and you end up in a place where you start, be- you start to become judgmental and you will not enjoy the process of consecration. And you'll be bored, really. And you think, well, what's the point of this? Until you get connected to God in deeper life and prayer deeper life in worship, deeper life in the Word, then you would understand what the disconnection was all about. I said something earlier on about intimacy with God and intercession. See, for many of us, we want to go deep in God. It's like when you get married on your wedding day, some of the vows include words like this, forsaking all others. Okay? You leave and you cleave to your wife. And because of your vow, it becomes a covenant Now, the covenant and the vow you've made now qualifies you for a deeper level of intimacy. We want a deeper level of intimacy with God, but many of us have not forsaken all others. We want to go deep here, but we're connected to all these other lovers. And for some people in here, that includes ministry. You love your ministry more than you love God himself. You're more passionate about God doing all these amazing things through you. But when it comes to just you and God, nothing else, you're kind of like just bored out of your head. Well, that's because there's no depth in here. And there's no way God can entrust you with revival. Because there is a concept here There's the anointing upon you for ministry. And that anointing will function sometimes even when you're living in sin. You can sing and the anointing of God is impacting people and your life is not right. You can preach. People are getting saved. There's an anointing that comes upon you for ministry. But there's also an anointing within you. And that's the Holy Spirit for intimacy. For many people, the anointing upon them is heavy. And the anointing within them for intimacy is weak. And when the anointing upon you is heavy and the one upon you is weak, you know what happens? It ends up crushing you. The gifting of God on your life without real deep connection to God would end up destroying you. What matters, the starting point is this intimacy, this cultivation of intimacy with God. When you begin to cultivate this and you can carry the weight of God's glory that he wants to release through, through you th- to a generation, then God can entrust you with more glory that he wants to release because he knows you're not going to take the credit. You're not, you're not going to try to take the glory. And he knows that you're a dead man walking. You see, many of us Christians, listen to this. This is an ouch statement. Many of us Christians come to the cross, but we don't get on the cross. We sing him about the cross. Thank you, Jesus. But the same Jesus said, you also take your cross right now. When was the last time you died on that cross? Because you should be dying on it every day. You're a living sacrifice, right? Most people are not dying. We're just allowing egos to build up. And you see, the more you're consecrated, the more you learn how to die. And the more you die, the more you walk in humility. And the more we all begin to walk in these things, the more we get rid of all those issues that generally tend to stop moves of God. Because I don't get jealous of you if God is blessing your ministry and you're seeing it, tens of thousands getting saved. And I'm like, oh God, I've only seen five people God saved or two people God saved. what's going on with me? You know, I, because I understand that, well, I am faithful in intimacy with God. So I'm not judging how well I am doing with God based on how massive my ministry is before man. Is anyone alive today? <laughs> Trust me, I love you. <laughs> I won't say what I'm saying if I'm trying to please anyone. So, if we're going to talk about revival, let's talk about your consecration to God, your private devotion to God. Joshua 3.5 says, consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow I'll do amazing things among you. I am convinced God wants to move in the United Kingdom. Yeah. And the move of God that's going to come to the nations of the earth, I really do believe it's not going to be a one-man show it's not going to be the man of power for the hour, anointed with the Holy Spirit and you know, and laying hands on everyone. It's just one. Now, I believe, I believe God is going to raise people up. But I feel like the days we're moving into is called the days of the saints. You and me, ordinary people, consecrated to God. And God can entrust his glory to them. And through them, he can impact communities. I can't think of any real revival I've read about or know about. That consecration has not been a massive part of it personal consecration you may have come here today thinking about your youth group or maybe your community wanting to see God move and you know prayer is key I'm not just asking you to pray I'm asking you to consecrate yourself you ask God I think it's Hebrews 11 or Hebrews 12 it might be Hebrews 12 where it says because we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside the sin one and the weight Every sin is a weight, but not every weight is a sin. Let us lay aside the sin. Well, that's a given. We lay aside the sin and the weights. For some of us, we're not able to run the race God has set before us because we're weighed down by administration we're weighed down by social media responsibilities and trying to look cool we're weighed down by this and this and this we're weighed down by all these other extra things and God is like are you okay to let those weights go just to create more more time for connection with me I'm I'm not just asking you to disconnect from these things I'm I'm saying like God is saying to you God is saying I'm not just just asking you to disconnect from these things I'm, I'm wanting you to create more space for me we will not have a move of God until God has more space in each of us. Yeah. Um, we are often quick to say, God, pour out your spirit out there, but He's not pouring our spirit in here. The outpouring of God out there is connected to the overflow we all walk in. We will not see the public outpouring without the private overflow. Are you with me? Now, in addition to consecration, because we're talking about keys for revival, consecration, absolute priority, holiness, cons- all that whole ideology is absolutely vital for really making any kind of spiritual impact. And then the next thing on top of that is prayer. It amazes me when I look across the world, the places that seem to be really experiencing moves of God are the places where they don't just pray. They pray desperately. In the West, we pray comfortably. God, I ask you to come and move in my community. And if you don't move, it's okay. We've got our nice bands. And we're still going to carry on doing what we do. We've got plan B and plan C. We don't say these words, but this is actually how we live. God, move if you want to. And if you don't want to, it's okay. We Just move on. And The places where God is moving... They are absolutely desperate for God. So we need to get to that place of desperation in our prayers. Now, it's not like we just conjure it up, we we just need to realize our true state. We are kind of like the Laodicean church in Revelations, the Western church is like the Laodicean church because we think we're rich. We've got all the equipment. We've got all the gifted speakers. We've got, all the, we've got all these things externally. So we look at all the external things and think we're doing okay. But from heaven's perspective, heaven is saying to us, you're poor, you're miserable, you're, you're, and you're blind. You're poor, you're miserable, you're naked, and you're blind. But we don't actually realize our true state. The more we learn to see our true state before God, in other words, our spiritual bankruptcy the more we're going to run to God in desperation, realizing he's the only one we need. But many times it's very easy. It, it, in fact, it's easier to lean on these external props. I always like to say, I'm lifting up an iPad now. The Apostle Paul did not have an iPad in his, in his, in his prison cell to listen to Matt Redman and Tim Hughes while he prayed. All he had was the scriptures and Holy Spirit. Do you have any walk with God that is of any depth without external props? Do you realize your, your need for God? Do you realize how much you really, really need God? Or are you comfortable? Because if you're comfortable, I'm here to shake you out of that comfort. <laughs> like, wake up! The, we, we, can't just, we can't just be in the church just singing our nice praise songs and looking out there. I know people are getting saved. Don't get me wrong. People are getting saved every day in the UK. But not to the degree we need to see people get saved. There's millions out there. And Psalm 2 said, I'll give you the nations. Nations is not 100 people. Nations is not 5,000 people. Nations means millions of people. Okay, so as much as we're excited about the ones and the twos, God is also thinking about the nations. So, there is a sense of uh, there's a need for our eyes to rise to really see our true state and the state of our nation and let real desperation begin to arise within our hearts. And that desperation is going to lead us to prayer. First, personal prayer. The reason why our corporate prayer meetings are not effective and explosive is because our personal prayer lives are dead and boring. The more you catch the fire of God when you're alone, the easier it is for you to come to a corporate prayer meeting. In fact, you're going to have a greater desire to want to come to a corporate prayer meeting. I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said something like this. The prayer meeting is like the spiritual gauge, I'm paraphrasing here, to measure where the church is at spiritually. When the church is on fire, the prayer meetings are well responded to. When the church is kind of dead, you see it in the prayer meetings everyone is just disconnected door. I mean, are we having a funeral or are we praying to a living God <laughs> our prayer meeting is like are we serving do we really believe what we're saying here do we really understand the power of what goes on in the spirit world when we pray I'm not here to talk about all that stuff but we got to understand your personal prayer life needs to shift now, now I know I am the one speaking this right now let me look at the time <laughs> I, know, I know i'm the one speaking this right now but even today i'm in a prayer room i'm praying saying god i want to pray fervently like elijah i want to move i want my prayer life to go to a new place i am not comfortable where i'm at thinking i have arrived there's no such thing as arriving anywhere because paul even said i'm pressing on he never stayed in one place so if you're in a place in your walk with god where you don't want to pray you don't want to read your bible it's a sign that you're spiritually dying because in the natural, if you, lose your, if you lose your natural appetite, if you don't want to eat in the natural, it's a sign that something is wrong. If you lose your spiritual appetite, you don't want to pray, you don't want to read the word, you don't want to fast, you don't want to see God, it's a sign that something is wrong. And you better start to address what is wrong. Otherwise, you're going to wither away and die, spiritually speaking. You could be raising your hands and saying amen to all the preachers while you're dead spiritually. And then going to church and saying to the pastor and saying to the leaders, you know what, I feel like I'm not being fed here. Anyone heard that today? I feel like I'm not being fed. Yeah, I hope this will be the last time you ever say that because I'm going to say something right now. My four-year-old can feed himself. What do you mean you're not being fed? Have you lost your Bible? have you lost your worship life have you what do you mean i have in fed? you've been a christian five years ten years you know you can feed yourself in fact the best meal you have the best spiritual meal you have should not be the meal that you eat at the church it should be the one you make for yourself with the holy spirit at home what is your private walk with god like is there much life to it or is it dead If it's dead, I want to say to you, let's not just be talking about revival out there. Let's start to say, God, revival in here revival in here i don't just want to say god do it out there do it in here because if each of us will catch this reality on the end of this meeting you go home you have a prayer life you start to press into god now don't get me wrong i'm not saying prayer is always easy prayer is hard sometimes and the reason why prayer is hard many times just because of the body the flesh that's it really i'm up here talking about prayer doesn't mean i find prayer easy all the time but i have learned how to press through the flesh And for many Christians, when they start so hard, and they're like, oh, this is so hard, I feel like I'm just not, my prayers are hitting the ceiling. It feels like I'm not making any difference. You can't allow that to stop you because you're you're just coming against the flesh and barriers and distractions. You have to learn how to push through. Now, because I have learned how to push through, and I push through on my own at home, and I push through many times when no one is there. I feel the resistance. It's like I've built some muscle for breaking through. So when we come together and there's five of us and I say, let's pray. If it's feeling hard, I'm not going to be silent and just say, oh, it feels weird here. You know, I know how to break through, so I'm going to do what I do at home. If you don't know how to do that because you're not being at home, you're not going to be able to do that in a corporate meeting. The more you learn how to break through, you learn how to break through, I learn how to break through. When we come together to pray, we know how to release prevailing prayer. It all starts in the private place of your home. And I know this is a hard message for some of you. (laughs) But uh, like I said before, I do love you, seriously. (laughs) That's why I'm saying these things. We need to catch the fire of God in our hearts. I want your personal prayer life to be hot. Now, I'm not saying I find my personal prayer life easy all the time, but I contend for fervency and intensity and a real connection with God. And when the connection is not there, I know it's not there. And I push through for it to be there. Even if everything looks good on the outside, I want things to be good on the inside. So that's my priority. And I've got to carry revival. And, you know, I've not seen revival in the scale I want to see the nation transform, the community transform. But I have seen revival in here. And sometimes I've seen revival around me. I'm like, God, I want to see more. I want to push it more. And I read about stories of God moving in places like Uganda, other parts of the world. And honestly, I read about these stories and I just think to myself, it feels like we're just doing child's play in the West. (laughs) Some of these guys, they pray all night, days on end. Fastings. We like our food. I like my food, and you know, I have a love hate relationship with fasting. But as I've just researched and been aware of moves of God, many times they're not, it's been connected with fasting. And I don't have time to go into all these details, but all I'm trying to get through to us today is. God is not forgotten Great Britain, and God wants to raise up spiritual SAS, and you are God's spiritual SAS, which means you need to be consecrated, and you need to be on fire. That's the summary of everything I'm trying to say. Listen, if we would do this, I mean, you go home and like, God, I know my prayer life is rubbish, I'm a bit dull and dead, and you're pushing in for the personal flame. When you begin to catch that flame, I guarantee you, people around you, but you don't need to advertise fire. When you're really on fire, it's not even about the volume. You just being you, people are impacted all around you. It's not about your gifting now. It's like Charles Finney. He walks into a room, he looks at a lady, and she breaks down on the conviction of sin. And the whole factory breaks down. Without saying one word, people are weeping because of the presence of God on one man. We need more of that today. How many of you think that? Do you want to stand with me right now? We're going to pray. I want us to take the next few moments. By the way, if you want to find a space, if you want to walk around, I just want to release you to be free right now, okay? we're not going to step into a comfortable praying place. I don't know about you, but even today, I am praying, saying, God, make me a man who prays fervently. Make me a man who prays like Elijah, that shifts the heavens and births what you want to do. Whatever you need to do in me to make me a man on fire, Lord, release that upon me right now. Shake me out of my complacency. Shake me out of my dullness. Deliver me from the dullness of the society around me. Set me on fire. Break off the distractions. Break off the limitations. Awaken me again. Shake me and wake me up. Wake me up, Jesus. I want you to pray like this right now. Say, Father, I want to be the living sacrifice. I want to get on that cross. I want to be the one that's consecrated to you. I want to disconnect from the distractions. Revival starts in me. Right now Father, let it awaken me. Let it be awakening me. Let it be awakening me. There are no shortcuts to this Father. Awaken me. Awaken me. Awaken me. Awaken me from my slumber. Awaken me from my comfortable Christianity. Awaken me from my distractions. Awaken me from all the things that weigh me down. Awaken me from addictions. Awaken me from all these oppositions around me. I want a single eye. A single focus. Come on people. We're going to pray right now. You're praying for yourself, okay? We're not praying for the United Kingdom of Manchester. You're praying for yourself right now. Say, Father, awaken me with a fresh fire. Let revival start in here, in here, in here, in here. Now, now, Father, I want to be the living sacrifice. I repent and turn away from prayerlessness. I turn away from all the weights of this world that's kept me going very slow. I turn away from that right now. And Father, I want to be a living sacrifice. I present my body on the altar. I present my life on the altar. I have got to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit and fire in this room today. Father, release. Release your fire as we give ourselves to you. As we disconnect from distractions, Set set us ablaze. Set us ablaze. Set us ablaze. Set us ablaze in the name of Jesus. We're asking for a fresh awakening. We're asking for a fresh awakening. It starts right here with us, Lord. We're not looking anywhere else. We are the ones that need to be revived, Father. Revive us again. Revive our hearts again, Father. Oh, a fresh awakening, Lord. Oh, just cry out to God right now. Release your desire to God. Be authentic. Be real with God. Don't try to speak religious like Just be real with God. Confess whatever you need to confess. Let go of whatever you need to let go of. Be real with God and invite Him to do a deep work in you right now. He is here now, listening in and ready to come in as you invite Him. Just be real with God and open up your heart to Him right now. Father, awaken, 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 awaken. It starts right here, Father, Oh, Jesus, mala yeah, na na ma ya yeah, katala. Ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah. ya, ya, ya. Oh, Father, we're asking for a fresh download, a fresh download of the hunger that's necessary to birth the move of God that's necessary in our society. It starts with us, Father. Let the sense of being a fool spiritually on the wrong diet, let that sense be removed. Let our spiritual appetite be restored right now. Spiritual appetite be restored. Hunger for the word be restored. Hunger for prayer be restored. Hunger to seek your face be restored. In the name of Jesus, we ask for a renewal of appetite a renewal of hunger, a renewal of a heart for you, Father. Realign our vision, realign our hearts, realign our priorities. Start right here with us. Give us a vision for who you are and what you want to do in us and through us. Oh, Father, bring your order. Bring your order into our lives. Now, Lord, we want to be a people who are rightly aligned with you, rightly positioned, rightly aligned for what you want to do. Oh Jesus, stop right here, Lord. Stop right here, God. Oh Lord, Jesus. Oh, Father, let this be a turning point. Let this be a turning point, a shaking away of a cycle that has been accepted as normal, that's actually abnormal. Let this be the breaking of the cycle. Every cycle that has been going on in our lives, that has been accepted as okay, that is not okay. Let it be broken off in the name of Jesus. The cycle of addictions be broken off. The cycle of of oppression be broken off. The cycle be broken off. Break off, break off, break off in the name of Jesus. Let the cycles die. Father, let a new vision arise in, your, in us. A vision of you. A vision of Jesus and his eyes like fire. A vision of you and your passion for the lost. Arise within the heart of every single person in this room, Father. Ranaman de Zibeliala Banda. Yebalada Mazen and Mazeteli Baladaba. Hay Alana Mazo no Baleti Ladabazatya. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Lord. We turn away from prayerlessness, Lord. We turn away from prayerlessness, Lord we turn to you. You were a man of prayer. And in fact, you're interceding for us right now. We want to step into your intercessions. We want to step into the intercessions of the Holy Spirit and the intercessions of Christ. Father, we turn away from prayerlessness and we turn into the intercessions of Christ. Lay hold of us and we want to lay hold of heaven, that the burdens of heaven begins to be translated into our hearts. We want to begin to carry your burdens like never before for communities, for families, for situations, for the nation. Release your burdens over us right now. The burdens that we are carrying that you haven't given us, we let go of those false burdens right now. And we receive your burden. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We receive your burdens for prayer. We receive your burdens for the loss right now. Yes, Yes, we don't want this to be just a song anymore. That you'd break our hearts. You'd break our hearts for what really is breaking your heart, Father. We want to begin to capture your burden, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord. There's someone here. There might be a couple of people at least here today. I feel like God is saying to you, Your ministry has been your idol and He wants to slay it. Would you let Him? Your ministry has been your idol. You've almost put it above God Himself. And it's like, I want those idols to come down. Yes, I have called you. Yes, I have anointed you. But you can't afford to put even your ministry before me. I have to be your priority and your focus. Would you let those idols come down? And I believe even as you let God get rid of those idols, as you come and surrender, I believe it's going to mark a turning point in your life. You're going to find a new release. The places where there's been blockages, you're going to find a new release. Father, right now, just pray for that, Lord, that there will be a breaking of those idols, a real surrender, a release, a release, a release. There's someone else here, you've been going round and round. It's like you've been making no progress with your life. It might be a business, it might be a ministry. It's like you've just been going round and round and round and round, the same place. And I believe God is saying to you, lift up your eyes to the hills. Fix your eyes on him. Because you don't need to go around this mountain again. Enough of going around this cycle. you're, you're, You're repeating this same thing over and over again. God is like, I don't need you to be doing this. I've got greater things for you. However, lift your eyes to the hills. For your help comes from me, the maker of heaven and earth. And he wants to lift you from the valley to the mountaintop. That you begin to see things with a fresh perspective. But you have to lift up your eyes to him. You have to lift up your eyes to Him. Take your eyes off the circumstance and of the situation and let it be fixed on Him. And that looks like your prayer life takes on a new dimension. Your worship life takes on a new dimension in your focus and in the time you give to Him. Let it be, Father, that you raise up a company of revivalists in this room, Lord, of people who are carrying the burden of heaven. Who will not compromise? Who will seek you with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength? Jesus. 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 I see some other people here where you want to see, I I think, I mean, I just feel there's, I mean, it's obvious that there's a lot of evangelists in this room. And you want to see many people get saved. And I see some of you operating in like, um, I don't know how to call it. It's like a word of knowledge, but it's in prayer. Like, you're going to begin to pray for your community. As you step into prayer, you're going to begin to pray for maybe a group of young people. And as you pray, God is going to begin to show you what is binding them. And you're going to begin to pray by revelation. And as you have the breakthrough in your prayer times before you see them, when you see them, as you speak, your words are just going to penetrate so easily. And the gospel is going to make more sense. Some of you have been fighting to preach the gospel in your flesh. You have not fought the battle in the spirit. And I see that as some of you begin to pray for some of the people that God has called you to, it might be a community group. Group that god has called you to as you really begin to push deeper in prayer god will begin to show you some of the things binding them and as you begin to pray in authority and in the spirit you're going to begin to have breakthroughs and you will see the manifestation of the breakthrough in their salvation let it be god let it be god in jesus name in jesus name There's a pastor here, I think, and I feel like God is saying to you, stop trying to grow the church. I will grow the church. Because I said I will build my church. It's not not your ability that makes the church grow. It's my grace on your ability that makes the choice. So don't invest all your energy in all these seminars and activities. Not that that's wrong, but I believe God is saying invest just as much, if not more, effort in your spirit and in engaging with my spirit, because there's a grace I want to release upon you that's going to make leadership so much more easier, so much more effective, and you're going to easily begin to see people not just come to salvation, but even commit. Because you've been struggling with commitment and saying, oh, people are not committed. They're not really engaging. And God is like, those things are going to become easier as you begin to press into my presence. And I will give you the keys. It's not your responsibility to make it all happen. Just go after me. And I will release a grace that causes your church to have the impact it's called to have. And also, I believe God's saying, I don't know if it's the same person or someone else, that just stop the comparison. Even with your church and the other church, or you mentioned the other ministry, stop the comparison. Because the assignments are different. So Father, I just break off that spirit of comparison and that spirit of limitation and that spirit of envy and jealousy that makes, us, makes people here feel like they're not having any impact. Lord, I just, I just release that real sense of identity of who you've called them to be in you and your vision for their lives, Lord. Can we all just lift our hands right now? I'm going to round up. Father, I thank you. As we lift our hands to you right now, we ask for a fresh grace for prayer. Just pray that right now. Say, Father, baptize me with a fresh grace to pray. Father, baptize me with a fresh grace to cry out to you. Father, baptize me with fresh hunger in my prayer life. Baptize me afresh now. Now baptize me. I lift my hands to you as a sign of surrender, knowing that I cannot do this in my strength. It is not by my power, it is not by my might, but it is by your spirit. So, Lord, I receive the spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of grace and supplication rest upon us, Father raise us up as intercessors raise us up as evangelists raise us up as warriors in the spirit and let all the limitations be broken right now in Jesus name that we break through in the realm of the spirit we advance we move forward we are warriors we're not going to retreat we advance in the name of Jesus I thank you for faith arising right now in your warriors I release faith to evangelists in this room who are tired, who are weary, I release strength right now to you, where you're feeling weary and tired, I release the energy of God right now, into your emotions, into your mind, into your body, into your team, into your ministry, I release fire and life over you right now, let the tiredness break off, let the spiritual dullness break off, let the limitations break off, right now in Jesus name, I release you into your calling, I release you into a place a fresh fire in the name of jesus yes i speak over you a renewal of strength a renewal of strength where you're tired and where you're weary i release a strength to you right now in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus we strengthen the feeble knees and we strengthen and lift up the weak hands in the name of jesus I just see quite a few evangelists in this place who are just tired. You're just weary. You're just discouraged. And I believe God wants you to be full with courage right now. I release the courage of God into you right now. Courage. Courage. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Arise. Arise, warrior. Arise, evangelist. Be strong and courageous. Hallelujah. 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 Well, we give praise to God. Come on, let's give praise to God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for connecting with me and coming to listen. I just want to say, if you on the connect with me some more, we've got lots of teachings on YouTube. Look up our website. Just check us up online. I've got some information here about Prayer Storm. Feel free to come and chat to me as well. I'll be around. But God bless you all, and go and be a firebrand wherever God has sent you. <laughs> you. Thank you for tuning in to Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode. For more information and teachings, go to www.prayerstorm.org.